Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2006. This is Jen talking about Step 1. Good morning everyone, my name's Jen, I'm an alcoholic. And I'm very grateful to be sober and be here this morning. Um, What a beautiful day. Um, He hasn't left me much to say, has he really? But I'm going to... Thank you Mark, that was terrific. Um, I'm going to talk from my experience strengths and hope about my experience coming into Alcoholics Anonymous because it was not what I think now I would have loved it to be. I did not come here and stop drinking immediately and I did not get sobriety immediately. So um, Mark's right, um, preparing for talking this morning um, and doing writing, really tight writing just on the first step, brought a lot of things back to me about my behaviour about um, how I was when I came in here and most particularly the fact was that I didn't come to Alcoholics Anonymous to get sober. I didn't even admit that I had a problem with drinking but I certainly admitted that I had a problem with life. Um, My introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous was that I was at a social function at my children's school which was St Leonard's in Brighton and um, and I was approached by an, another woman there who I knew to be a single mother like myself and um, I didn't look real good. I mean, I'd had a solid weekend of drinking. I reckon the fumes probably stretched to about there and um, she bravely came within the circle of the fumes and, and recognised my red face and my bloodshot eyes and, and um, she engaged me in conversation And we talked about what it was like to be a single mother and and have children at school and, you know, those problems associated with that. And she told me later that she recognised in me that day the woman that she'd been a couple of years before and she very bravely set herself up to to give me some assistance. And and as I talked about my problems with life, and, and I'll expound upon those later, But as I talked about about those problems, she said to me, you may very well find that there are some solutions within the fellowship that I belong to. And as soon as I heard that word fellowship, I thought, she's a religious nut for sure. Um, I'd been brought up within the church. My father was a Presbyterian minister. He was also an alcoholic and he died in Delmont of alcoholism. Um, But I'd been brought up within the church and the word fellowship was used very liberally within our church. So... I was sure she was going to introduce me to a new Christian church. Um, But no, she went on to say that she was um, a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. My dad tried to get sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, so it was a concept that I was was familiar with. Um, And I was a bit surprised that she was suggesting that I might go, might find something in Alcoholics Anonymous that I needed. Um, But nevertheless, she said, why don't you come to a meeting on Wednesday night with me, which was the Heatherton meeting down in the southeast, and she said, and have a look for yourself. What a brilliant woman. She didn't say, you have to come. She didn't say, you look like a drunk. She just suggested that I go to a meeting with her and see what I thought. And this is where I'll expand on the unmanageability of my life. At that stage, I had um, uh, two children, of um, 10 and 8 and I was a single parent Um, as Mark alluded to um, my life didn't I I wasn't crazy from drinking I was crazy right from the time I was little I think Um, I was always a really strange child and um, I'm an only child and, and as I said I lived in an alcoholic home which was 
uh, which became quite ghastly. Um, and I did lots of things to run away from the ghastliness of that home. I buried myself in, myself in books. I often used to go into my bedroom for hours and hours at the time with the doors shut. And so I was a very solitary child and I lived a lot in here. And I don't know about you, but you know, it's not safe for me to live in here by myself with no company. And, um, and I had some very, very strange ideas. And, um, and my mother had, um, my mother had enforced upon me in a very subtle way the fact that the problems within our household were caused by what my father drank. And she hadn't ever said to me, don't you ever drink like that or don't you ever drink. But I knew, I knew that she really never wanted me to drink because she didn't ever want me to take the chance that I might end up in the same trouble as my dad. Um, but there was always something missing. I always felt as if there was just something that I could take to make me feel more normal. There must be something out there that, that I could do. To, and I tried to join groups and I tried to have particular friends that looked as if they were swinging sort of people and I might be able to just fit in with them. And something always kept me apart. Um, and I know today that that was just the alcoholism part of my nature that was just sitting there waiting, growing ever so slowly, but just waiting. Um, and in fact, I didn't have my first drink, drink until I was 22. So um, I went through all my teenage years, which were horrendous um, because of the situation that I was in at home. It wasn't safe for me to bring um, friends home. Um, it wasn't safe for me to bring boyfriends home. Um, so, you know, it was pretty solitary no matter what I tried to do. And um, I finally married, and you're not, you're not going to believe that I married the son of an alcoholic, are you? But I did. Um, I just married into the same home that I'd come from. And so there were two of us and four of them, uh, two of the, us and three alcoholics and my mum who just tried to manage everything. Um, but, um, you know, going on with the unmanageability of my life, when I finally um, was married and away from that home and I'd left my mum and dad to cope as best they could, um, I one day was talked into having a drink, just, oh, come on, it won't hurt you, you're not home, you're only going to have one. And from the minute that drink touched my mouth, I became part of whatever was going on. It was just magic. All of a sudden I'd found it. Um, and I never wanted to put it down again. Um, but, but I controlled it because of what my mother had instilled into my mind. I controlled it for a number of years. I didn't drink, um, to excess. I didn't drink very often. I lived in the country with a farmer. We were, we were not, um, financially very well off. So alcohol wasn't high on our grocery list. But um, if people came to stay with us, they inevitably bought a couple of bottles of wine or, or something or some beer or something like that. And so I had some every now and again. And whenever I had any, the magic happened again. And I felt as if I fitted. Um, and uh, by the time I got here, um, I was in my early 40s and it had, it had progressed quite a lot by then. Um, and the situation was that I was a mother to these two children. Um, I was supposed to be um, looking after their welfare. Um, and some days I did well at it and some days I didn't. Um, but my children would spend every second weekend with their father and from the time they left my house until the time they came back, I did exactly what I wanted to do. And that meant that I drank with whoever I liked 
how often I liked. Um, I was absolutely mad. I had noises on my roof that that I had no idea what was creating them. The walls pulsated in my bedroom. This is my perception. They weren't really pulsating. Um, but the, the, well, I would lie in bed and watch the walls pulsate in my bedroom and I would hear voices coming out of cupboards. And if I came home to the house late at night, it was a pretty large house, and I would go through the house and open every cupboard and every door looking for whoever was waiting to kill me or hurt me in some way. Um, slept with a meat mallet underneath my pillow because they were coming to get me. I lived in a world of absolute fear and terror. And yet on Monday morning I would put on the business suit, get in the late model car, go off and do my job. I was absolutely and utterly insane. And I was keeping company with people who were very, very dangerous. And I could not see that my life I couldn't see from there that my life was not what I had anticipated it was going to be. Um, what alcohol did really for me was to ensure that, well, what, what my alcoholism and then alcohol as it fueled it, ensured that I never reached the potential of the person that I could have been. And, and somewhere in the dark, deep recesses of my mind, I could look down and see what was happening and be absolutely horrified and just be resigned to the fact that I was an alcoholic. And that certainly is an acceptance. That's resignation. That's just, oh God, that's my lot and I'm going to die in Delmont just like my dad and I'll have another drink because that's a pretty awful thought. Um, so that was the extent of my powerless, of my, of my unmanageability of my life. I was not the person that I knew I could be. I was heading down a road of destruction and I was resigned to it. That was it. Um, and there was no way that once having had the thought that I was going to have a drink, that I could stop the train of events that came after that. And it didn't matter whether I was drink driving, whether my children were asleep in bed when I ran out of scotch at 10 to 10 and the bottle shop was just around the corner. I would drive around there drunk, get the alcohol, drink, 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 get up the next morning and look at two empty bottles and wonder who was there the night before because I had no clue. Um, and that was the other thing. I started making those terrible middle-of-the-night phone calls to people threatening suicide, threatening to murder the children, um, all that hideous stuff. And then when people rang me in great distress the next day to see if I was all right, I had no idea what they were talking about. All those awful things that I just think of now and absolutely cringe, but certainly proved to me that, that there was no way that I had any power out of the, over that alcohol and that it, my life was absolutely and totally unmanageable. So what happened when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous? Did somebody say to me, have a look at the first step and see how bad your life is and stop drinking? Yes, they did, and I did for about three months. I came to these meetings and I love them as I love them today and it's a few days down the track now. Um, I have never ever stopped loving the message of Alcoholics Anonymous and loving the meetings. But as I said to you, I didn't accept my alcoholism, I was resigned to it. And, and resignation, don't get you sober. And so three months went by, I hadn't had a drink, I was feeling pretty well, my liver had stopped aching, I could think pretty clearly, and one night, just one night, I stepped back into my old environment and I thought, I wonder how it's working and if I really was an alcoholic. 
And so I had a drink. And the most pitiful part of this story is that nothing happened. I expected the roof to fall in, for me to vomit all over the people, for me to say something hideous, for me to upset someone, and nothing happened. But I felt truly very ashamed. And I cleaned my teeth half a dozen times the next morning, went back to my morning meeting, which was at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. The sunrise groups very much helped me get sober in the end. And I said nothing about that, because after all, nothing happened. And you couldn't go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and say you'd had a drink and that nothing happened, because most of us believe that the roof's going to fall in. But that, of course, fueled my denial and fueled my resignation to the fact that I am an alcoholic and I'll go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and later on, and I'm ashamed to say this now, but later on I know that I had the thought that there must be other people within Alcoholics Anonymous who have a drink from time to time and don't say anything because the bad alcoholics might drink. And, and that was the extent of my insanity. And we're not talking about insanity now, but I need to tell you that. Um, so that went on four more times in the next 17 months. And so I was at the situation, I was, and I wasn't doing the steps, obviously. Um, and I was in a situation where I was watching people who'd come into Alcoholics Anonymous at the same time as I had, and they were really kicking goals. There's a few of them in this room, actually, and they're still kicking goals. Um, they were really getting ahead, and I felt like that squirrel who goes past the bottom of the cage over and over again. And what was necessary for me was to admit to myself and to certainly another per human being who knew a lot more about it than I did that I had actually hit bottom, that there was nowhere else for me to go, that I couldn't harbour the idea that I could ever have another drink in safety and that I had to do this exactly the way these steps are laid down. And I'm telling you this story this morning, not I'm, I guess I'm telling it from a successful point of view now, but I realise now how extremely lucky I was in those four occasions when I did pick up a drink that nothing happened. And I can only say that's by the grace of God. It has nothing whatever to do with me. Because I could have ended up back in the gutter, dead, stabbed someone, whatever. All those things were possible for me. But until I was prepared to admit that I had come to the absolute bottom of my alcoholic life, and that there was no chance that I could ever drink again in safety, then I was going to be still like that squirrel going round and round. And when I finally admitted that, I had such great relief to know that I did no longer had to live with a bit each side of the fence, that in fact I was, I am an alcoholic, I cannot drink at all in safety, and if I pick up another drink, my life will go back to far worse unmanageability than that was. And so what I can say is that it has been absolutely necessary for this alcoholic, this doubting alcoholic, to live by the steps, absolutely and utterly by the steps. Every morning I get up and say to myself, I am powerless over alcohol and if I drink my life will become unmanageable because there are still days when that doubt can creep into my mind and I have to be very, very clear from the time I wake up that alcohol is not an option for me. The speakers who are coming next are going to, as Mark said, talk about the solution, and the solution's very important to me. I've said enough about my story this morning. Thank you very much for asking me to share.
more information about the annual Melbourne Alcoholics Anonymous Steps Weekend is available at www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.